Buongiorno everybody and welcome. This is Identity Unlocked and I'm your host, Vittorio Bertocci. Identity Unlocked is the podcast that discusses identity specifications and trends from a developer perspective. Identity Unlocked is powered by Auth0. The season is sponsored by the OpenID Foundation. In this episode, we focus on various three-letter extensions to OFF, which would fit well in a pirate novel. Par, rar, and jar. And our esteemed guest today is Philip Skokan, senior engineer at OffZero, an author of, of a very popular open source identity SDKs and contributor, of course, to the ITF and OpenID Foundation. Welcome, Philip. Hi, Vittorio. Thank you very much for inviting me. And thank you for being here. Thank you for joining me today. Can we start with how you ended up working in identity? Absolutely. It started in 2013 with myself moving to Germany, actually. This was for a position in a games publishing company called ProSieben Sarains Games. This company was operating a very popular gaming portal called Alla Playa that used to host a number of game titles. These were either in-browser or had their own dedicated desktop launchers and even thick game clients. They all shared the login system, though. The same account was used to log into the portal, to the shop, to the support center, and, of course, the game launchers or the game clients. The company was using central authentication service protocol version 2.0. This is a single sign-on protocol developed on Yale University, I believe somewhere in the early 2000s. It was one of the systems I ended up maintaining for the company. The company was eventually acquired and moved to Berlin, but it was the work done on its single sign-on and maybe even partially my engineering skills, who knows, that got the group's CTO convinced I could deliver a special project for her. That project was a central single sign-on for the rest of the group's digital business. Important stuff, right? But it had a caveat. It had to be in place quickly for the next season of a very popular reality TV show. Think Germany's Next Top Model or you know, something like that. Trial by fire. Yes, absolutely. So I knew back then already that CAS was out of the question. Um, it wouldn't support the already looming and, and blooming, you know, exploding mobile application uh, landscape. So this was early 2014. I barely knew what OAuth was, but I remember OpenID Connect was fresh out the oven. So I made a POC using, you know, in-house built proprietary OpenID Connect interface. It wasn't used in the end, but it was, quotes, ready, right? As we were going around demoing the work that we got, we managed to onboard more developers on the project and began making it really production ready because, yeah, the CTO and the, the product officers and the group of the product officer, they picked it up and they liked it. So we, went, we you know, went along with it. We were forced to make compromises, though, along the way. So protocol conformance went out the window, but I was so intrigued by what OpenID Connect had to offer that I started work on my own OpenID Connect libraries for Node.js. One of those being an authorization server and the other one being the relying party so that I can, you know, test my own server. Cool. As I was developing these, I stumbled upon the Connect certification program, uh, which is ran by OpenID Foundation. 
And I immediately wanted my software to conform to it. You know, I wanted that certification badge. I wanted it really, 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 really bad. And I don't know if it was bugs in my software or the certific- uh, certification suite, but I used to be that proactive in the issue tracker uh, to make it onto the team that managed that certification software. Uh, now, the team composed of big names and established names in the industry, you know, your Mike Jones, Roland Hedberg, and Hans Anbelt. I was contributing feedback, automation, CI to test the suite. And while doing all, while I was doing all of that, I was getting pretty firm knowledge of the different specifications that it was dealing with, mainly OpenID Connect Core built on top of all two and so on, you know, the drill. And from there on, it actually gets a bit blurry because it went really fast. I got introduced to Pamela Dingle as the guy who tests the test and you know how big she is on, you know, protocols and standards. So the next thing I remember was giving a talk at Cloud Identity Summit in Chicago. It really went that that fast. In there, by the way, I, I recall meeting you for the first time. I'm sure you don't remember. <laughs> Chicago was fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. That's mostly what I remember of that, uh, on that conference. <laughs> it were really those open source projects I wanted certified and up to date with the latest specifications, the hottest drafts um, that put me on Altzero's radar um, because Altzero reached out to me. They said, hey, you're writing OpenID Connect open source. We do identity as a service. Would you mind coming on board? So I joined Altzero, moved back home to Czech Republic, and that relationship is still going strong today. Um, while I'm supported by Altzero, I continue to contribute to OpenID uh, Foundation, to the Connect and FAPI working groups, to the certification program, and of course, the IETF Auth working group, where, you know, in all of those, I keep up to date on the developments in those groups and feed that knowledge back to Altzero. Very nice. That is a great trajectory. And uh, I like the hands-on component of it. So you have... Uh, both knowledge of the protocol itself, but you also do things in concrete. So what I like to call a warrior priest, you know, both sides of the house. And in fact, that's what I'm hoping to uh, learn from today. And so I wanted to get into the main topic, which is uh, positioning a bit the three acronyms that I mentioned, as in this PAR, RAR, and JAR, what are those things? Uh, what problems do they solve? How do they come to be? Imagine I know nothing about them, which is uh, also reasonably accurate. And uh, explain to me what they are and why they are. So you mean what those are aside from being a pirate incantation, right? That is exactly right. <laughs> so these three, they all deal with different shortcomings in the core of two specification. Um, they are really the outcome of the, I think, over 10 years of OAuth 2 being in use. The different applications OAuth was applied to over the years called for these extensions. Um, because when you think about it, when OAuth 2 was conceived, the internet application landscape was rather simple. Browsers were far from being secure. TLS wasn't being adopted as much. Course wasn't the thing at all. And in general, the service providers were handling maybe one to two uh, authentication servers at a time, a few web clients, and maybe a single resource server. Whereas today, the landscape is completely different. So let's start with RAR then. RAR stands for 
rich authorization requests. It's a, it's a draft specification under the ITF uh, OAuth working group. And it brings more expressive power to your authorization requests. The core of to authorization expressiveness is really simple and was designed to be simple, but in so it is also limiting. You have your scopes, maybe recently standardized resource indicators um, to be able to tell which resource server those scopes belong to, but that's it. You can't specify more than those two dimensions and sometimes not even that, just scopes. And what you're often left with is just those scopes. It's limiting. There's, there's no way to express complex authorization needs. And the funny thing is that uh, people also like to uh, misunderstand the scopes. Let's say that uh, men with a hammer syndrome, given that scopes were the only things available, I think that uh, you have seen your uh, portion of uh, people uh, abusing the scopes for expressing all sorts of different uh, concepts, which scopes weren't uh, originally designed to support. I, I have seen authorization requests with scopes overloaded to do a whole bunch of stuff to a point where they didn't fit into the uh, the URL length that is permitted. <laughs> so um, it, is a, it is a framework for communicating those complex authorization structures in all 2.0. It originated in the FAPI working group since... In there, they needed the expressive power to transmit authorization requests such as, hey, initiate a payment transaction of 125 euros to merchant A. And while you're doing that, give me access to an API so that I can you know, query the results of said transaction. So I dare you to express that with scopes. It's not possible. That sounds pretty tough. So what RAR does to address this is um, it introduces a new authorization request parameter called authorization details, which is um, a JSON structure. And, you know, with JSON comes power, you have all that, uh, all that syntax available to you. You have your, you have your properties that can be erased. They can be nested objects and so on and so forth. And with that, you can express such a request that we have just mentioned. The specification itself does not prescribe the shapes of these requests, but it specifies how those are transmitted from the client to the authorization server and then from the authorization server through an access token over to the resource server that I'm about to use. That's very handy. That's great. Fantastic. Thank you. Now I understand what the RAR does. What about JAR? Well, JAR, another pirate acronym, originally came from OpenID Connect, and it allows the authorization request that's being transmitted via the browser to be integrity protected, to have its origin verifiable, to be non-repudiable, and also optionally to be confidential so that no one but the authorization server can tell what goes over the wire. And it does so by making the authorization request a JOT. And you know, JOTs can be either signed or encrypted or both. I see. So it defines a syntax for which you can embed the parameters that you would normally just place in your query string. And instead there, it's structured those so that they can live in a JOT and then you can sign them, you can encrypt them, you can do all of that stuff. That is correct. And it gives you two different means of being able to transmit that. You can either put the whole JOT 
in your request as a request parameter, or you can just refer to an object that you have stored somewhere on the internet, which when retrieved by the authorization server by a request URI, yields the same object. That's uh, super handy as well. Okay, great. So now let's get to the main dish of uh, dinner, which is par. And I say the main one because the par is the spec on which you are a co-author. So I expect you know that thing in and out. So what is par about? So par, or otherwise pushed authorization requests, and RAR actually go hand in hand because that expressive power we talked about uh, with RAR comes at a cost. And that cost is that the requests get large. They get large because regardless of how you express those authorization details via, you know, be it via proprietary parameters or overloading scopes, as we talked about that we've seen sometimes, you still have a JSON blob that you need to pass through the URL. And they do get large to a point where they cannot fit into a URL and the browser will just truncate them and then the authorization server can't process. So Power deals with this by pushing the whole authorization that usually goes via the URL in your browser to a server-to-server call. That is really helpful. So how does it do that? You already said that the RAR defines uh, the format. Then uh, what, uh, what is uh, in PAR that uh, makes it possible to do this thing to be a server-to-server flow? So PAR introduces a new endpoint on the authorization server called the pushed authorization endpoint, if I recall correctly, that is. And the client communicates with that endpoint very similarly to how it would with the authorization endpoint, it uses the same encoding to send the request in the in the request body. But in addition to that, it also authenticates. So the client can send its client ID and client secret, and it can also use mutual TLS authentication or private key job if it so wishes. So the advantage of having this thing appears to be that it's not just a matter of size in which you can have like larger requests, but it sounds like you can behave a bit like the token endpoint and uh, the fact that I can send my authorization parameters with, uh, at the same time, uh, authenticating the identity of my client if my client is confidential is an extra property that makes things uh, more secure. So there is also that. It's pretty nice, right? It is. And it was one of the design goals to make it more secure. But it has some other side effects as well. Since it is a server-to-server call, it allows the authorization server to validate the full authorization request pretty early, which in the end improves developer experience because you're no longer waiting for those redirects. You're no longer trying to complete the actual authentication to get feedback to your relying party. Okay, great. That sounds great. That is indeed a server-to-server call when the client happens to be a web app, in which case it's the backend of a web app talking to the authorization server, so so server-to-server. However, I guess that you could do this also from, say, a mobile client, in which case it would be the code running on the device that reaches out 
for the push authorization request endpoint. So it would not be a server-to-server flow in that case, correct? That is correct, yes. Um, in that case, though, the client would not authenticate as it is a public client. It may be a credentialed client in the sense of all to the one that you talked about with Aaron quite in the last season. However, the client still gets the benefit of not going over the size limit of the URL. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The main advantage there would be the size, because in terms of credentials, the credentials aren't really there. But then what happens next? Let's say that, uh, let's say that the client uh, hits the authorization, the authorization server on the push the authorization request endpoint. And uh, the authorization server decides that, yeah, that it looks like a well-formed request and similar. What happens next? So what happens next is that the authorization server responds to the client with what's called the request URI. Now, to the spec savvy, they may recognize the request URI to be something defined by JAR, which we also talked about. And that's also intentional. So what the authorization uh, authorization server responds with is a request URI that the client then turns to and sends over to the authorization endpoint as if it was using JAR. Now, the authorization server will process its you know, authorization endpoint pipeline and it will see request URI. It will denote a location that the server recognizes is something that it stored itself internally in a database or you know somewhere. And then it will go on and process the rest of the request as usual. Only it didn't have to parse the request again. It was already validated once. So to summarize, once the authorization server accepts the pushed authorization request, it saves all those parameters somewhere in whatever format it wants and sends back these uh, request URI, and then it expects it to receive it. And it, once it receives it back from the authorization endpoint, it just uses it to look it up to whatever. And then part of the work is already done. But from that moment on, it's business as usual. Like if I would have placed those requests, those request parameters in the authorization request to the authorization endpoint. Is that a fair summary? That is a fair summary. But in doing all of this, you didn't exceed any URL limits. So win-win. Very nice. That sounds super handy. All right, great. So I can say at this point that we shed light on RAR, JAR, and PAR. We know what they are for. Now, in terms of where they are in the um, standardization process, how close are we from calling those guys done? Right. So at the moment, they are all drafts. JAR is very, very long in the making, but since it originates from a stable OpenID Connect as a donor, it is pretty stable. And I believe working group last call has happened at least twice now. Um, So yeah, pretty stable, at least from my point of view. PAR has a working group consensus. It has gone beyond the working group last call and is awaiting a number of write-ups. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but it is pretty stable as well. That's great. So we are uh, closing the identity standard terminology, which is not <laughs> the fastest thing possible. But hey, we need to proceed with caution, but close to be done. So that's great. 
And that leaves us with RAR. RAR is still with its authors, but I'm seeing the activity in their repository. They're hard at work. Um, they are still collecting feedback and they will hopefully be starting a working group last call very soon. That's great. That's fantastic. I know that uh, uh, a lot of people are looking forward for that. All right. Well, that was awesome. I finally understand what was uh, our extensions are for. That's, that was really handy. So, Philip, I want to thank you for your time. And I guess I'll see you in Slack. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for having me. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Until next time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app or at identityunlocked.com. Until next time, I'm Vittorio Bertocci, and this is Identity Unlocked. Music for this podcast, composed and performed by Marcelo Wolowski. Identity Unlocked is powered by Of Zero. Copyright 2020, Of Zero Incorporated, all rights reserved. <laughs>